All right. Happy Monday night to you. If there is such a thing. Uh, yeah, it is the sports book here on 760 WJR. But Monday nights are indeed happy because I get to spend time with my friend, Jamie Edmonds. Hello. 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 You're right there. <laughs> yeah. Hi. This is just so fun. Isn't it? Yeah, everything is well. We uh, we actually had a conversation, uh, what, about 11 hours ago or so <laughs> on JR Mornings talking to Magnum Team. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, always... Uh, I like that. We talk to him twice a week. And you know what? Been doing it for years, and uh, he is always there. Win, lose, doesn't matter. And he's very honest with whatever you oh. ask him. And you, There's no pre-interview with him. You just throw anything at him. Yeah, there's, uh, there's no doubt, no real mystery ever as to how Tom Izzo feels about any certain subject. Yeah. Because it's right there. Uh, we'll have some college hoop stuff going on. As a matter of fact, the uh, Michigan basketball Wolverines, they are in progress right now at Madison Square Garden uh, against St. John's. We'll update that for you as well. Uh, in the meantime, uh, introductions. Uh, Parker over there doing what Parker does. Everything under control there, dude? So far, so good. We'll see how the rest of the show goes. All right, I got my fingers crossed. He's pushing crossed. a lot of buttons. He is. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff over here. Pushing pushing buttons in a good way. Yeah, but he right. uh, he he does it as though he knows what he's doing. I try to pretend like I do. We're and on the air, so that who That's knows? a positive for yeah. sure. So far, so who good. Knows? We may even be joined by our fine producer, Nick Roddy. Uh, it's been a while. And if if he's able to join us, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I Like Sharon Moore? I could go all Sharon Moore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a couple of bad words. Some tears. Some F-bombs and sobbing. Whatever. Uh, seems to be all the rage these days. Uh, we'll touch on that as well. What a crazy deal going on in A-squared. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we have ignored the story long enough. And uh, you know where I'm going with this. Lions coming off a bye. Going out to the West Coast to face the resurging Chargers. They've won a couple of games in a row. A uh, lot of confidence, welcoming the Honolulu Blue and Silver. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was a dogfight that Riley Patterson put to bed with that 41-yard game-winning field goal as time expired. Exciting, wasn't it? Very exciting. And how aggressive was that play calling? They went for it on fourth down five times, made it four times. Well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, first, let's give Riley his due. And Patterson will try to take the Lions to 7-2. and Derwin James is right in the middle. From 41 yards, the kick is good. And the Lions come to Los Angeles and pick up another big win. So, interesting factoid here. The Lions were one of five NFL teams that won a game on a last-second field goal. It has never happened before in the illustrious history of the NFL. With no time remaining, yeah. five teams hit these field goals and won. And, yeah, that breaks an NFL historical marker. So you're right. And, and we've talked about this before. The difference in this Dan Campbell Lions team and others that have even sniffed a little success. And you've got to go back a long, long way. So, again, the Chargers tie at 38-all. There's 334 left. 
Uh, Herbert once again finds Keenan Allen on a fourth and one. We're all tied up. And again, I had no fears in my heart of hearts that the Lions were going to falter. I, I don't well, that's know. That's new I, for you. I can't explain it. You're not concerned anymore. You used to be. I used to think uh, there was a time that in that scenario that I said, okay, that's it. Game over. You're to lose. But this is a resilient Lions team. And how they responded was classic. Nine plays, 53-yard drive to set up Patterson's kick. And Goff finds Sam Laporta in a fourth-and-two situation from the Charger 26. Now, that's gutsy. You're in Chargers territory. The game is tied. Traditional thinking would be line up for that field goal, let your defense stop them, win the game. But I think they were thinking the defense had not stopped Herbert and the Chargers. The last five drives for the Chargers resulted in touchdowns, and they were 75 yards, 75, 92, 75, 68. So the defense wasn't stopping them. So Dan Campbell's like, let's put it all on the offense. I like it. No, and I think uh, you hit the nail right on the head, James. Uh, Dan Campbell and the powers that be probably had that in the back of their mind. But I find it very interesting. In third down situations, the Lions were 4 of 13. The Chargers 7 of 14. Fourth downs. Fourth downs now. Remember, there was a point in time in the NFL not that long ago that if you got a couple of fourth down tries in a game, that was something. Right. Lions 4 of 5. They got uh, they got Ziggy at the goal line. And the Chargers were 3 of 3 in fourth down situations. I texted my husband when they did not, when they turned it over on downs at the goal line the first time. Take the points. What are you doing? And he texted me back. It's not in Dan Campbell's DNA. No. Ryan's absolutely right. And this is the way it's going to be. Uh, But, you know, as I said earlier, if you can name an NFL team that has a better running back duo than Montgomery and Gibbs, tell me. That's why it was so important for Montgomery to come back. They kept saying that. Loma said it a bunch of times on JR Morning to us. And it's it's so true. It just there's this different dynamic then. And it, they kind of flipped roles, Steve, because Jameer Gibbs had the one yard touchdown runs, the like put your head down, run it in. And Montgomery had the seventy five yard scamper. Yeah, and uh this guy is supposed to be the Thunder. In the thunder and lightning. You start to believe like they're starting to. Anything could happen. The way they're playing, it's showtime. As Montgomery gets into the secondary. He's inside the 40. He's got a blocker up ahead. David Montgomery's going the distance. Showtime for the Lions. Lions' longest rushing touchdown since Javid Best. 88-yarder back in 2011. Uh, Montgomery, by the way, also the first Lions player to have two rushing touchdowns of at least 40 yards since, of course, uh, Barry Sanders did that in 1998. So, Great. And these two guys combined for 193 yards, three touchdowns. The Lions overall had 200 yards rushing on the day on the road. Yeah, and you can't give enough credit to the Lions' big uglies. Look, it's been discussed time and time again. And they're back to being healthy. Jonah Jackson. Frank uh, Rag now. Yeah, back in uh, that left guard. Rag's back in. Very familiar center spot. Big V 
unable to go. And I think the investment in Graham Glasgow, uh, his oh second gosh. tour of duty. That might be their biggest pickup. Whew. When all things are sliced and diced, you may be absolutely correct. Um, but I was thinking, after the game yesterday, I know that's very dangerous. Um, for Lions fans, what we're witnessing is uh, euphoric. For many, never happened in a lifetime. A lifetime. But what about the Lions players? What about those who have been around a while? Well, Taylor Decker's the one that's been through. Taylor hell. Decker, rags now. Uh, has been around for a while. Graham Glasgow was here before. Second left, tour of duty. Back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, via the Mitch show earlier, I uh, had a conversation with Alex Anzalone. They talked to him every Monday, uh, having a year, playing some ball. And I asked him, I said, you know, for Lions fans, we are in uncharted waters for the first time in maybe a lifetime. There's legitimate excitement. And by the way, that carried over to the broadcast crew, uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Detroit showing you they're here to stay for the rest of the year. This is a formidable team who can win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, and I believe they said in another instance, we'll see them in Vegas. And Romo actually said he went in the week saying he knew they were good, but he didn't know how complete this football team was. And he thinks they're one of the top teams in the NFC. And they are, because I found this online, which I loved. Ten weeks in, there are three teams left with two or fewer losses. The teams that were in the Super Bowl last year and the Lions. How about that? And I think you're referring to this. We might be seeing these Lions in Las Vegas. Now, I mean. When is the last time, and I'll answer it for you very quickly, never, uh, did you have the national broadcast crew, and this is CBS's A-team, by the way, um, saying things of that nature. It's exciting. It's really, really fun. I'm really happy for the fans. I said that all, you know, leading up to this. Seven and two. Remember the show we did before the season started? Yeah. Sort of, we're like, are they for real? They're for real. Well, and you got to play. And look, uh, getting back, how rude. Uh, Are you going to cry? Nick, he said he's going to cry like Sharon Moore. Nick Roddy joins us. (laughs) Nicholas, how are you? I see those tears. I'm going to go a little Sharon more, so I better shut this off. <laughs> Beep. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nikki boy. Uh, the gang's back together. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. And we got the Lions at 7-2. and two. As a matter of fact, this Lions team, 13-4 and four over their last 17. Best in the NFL in that stretch. Unbelievable. Are you crying too, Nick? I am. I mean, I was kind of a... Not a non-believer, but kind of skeptical heading into the season. I did not think that uh, seven and two would ever be possible with uh, some of the teams they've played so far. It's it's incredible. But you take a look at this Ben Johnson led Lions offense, the tools that he has at, at his disposal, and the play calling is unbelievable. And you know what that comes from? It comes from trust because you know you got Jared Goff, uh, who I hope by now. A lot of the naysayers are finally given the due the due to his credit. Uh, because after the game's tied 38 all, Jared Goff, in that nine play 53 yard drive, just looked confident and calm. What else can yeah. you ask for in a quarterback? Well, he must have been because he wasn't touched, sacked at all. You know? At all. By at a all. team that it, going in, 
uh, third in the league in sacks. And Khalil mm-hmm. Mack has been on a terror. And Do you just watch these games with some of the offensive play calls that Ben Johnson's calling and just say, man, it's going to be really tough losing him at the end of the year. I mean, throughout all season, you're just watching some of these plays that this offense is running and thinking, what are we going to do next year? But you got to soak it up right now and live in the moment. Well, until yeah, yeah, you, you have to, Nick, you're absolutely right. Because hey, there are no guarantees that he goes on to become a head coach. Every assistant position coach coordinator, that's probably the goal to eventually head your own team. And maybe with Ben it is, but he had his opportunity but something called him back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there is example after example of former Lions head coaches. You know, Marty Morenweg, Schwartz, all these guys who proved to be better coordinators than they ever were head coaches. Now, does that trickle down to Ben Johnson? And say, look, I could be my own guy, but there are risks involved. I think he's one of the great young minds, creative minds in the NFL, and he'll certainly take the opportunity if it's right for him and his family. But right now he wanted to come back to Detroit this year for something special, and look, it's happening. Well, they were discussing during the broadcast yesterday that Aaron Glenn, uh, defensive coordinator, now giving up 38, you know, this defense has got to do some improving There's some secondary questions. Uh, Very soft, but they're saying that he's going to get the call. To be a head coach, but one of the one of the weapons uh, that Jared Goff is certainly very comfortable with is Amon Ross St. Brown, high level receiver too, six for one twenty four. That went for thirty three. They come back to him. He's got a blocker out ahead, and he's able to walk in. Uh, Jamison Williams, you see the block on that play? Yes. Holy Macanoli! He turned on the Jets, showed his speed for the block. Uh, and you know what? To his credit. He was excited about that block. Yes. You know, very excited. Maybe that's good news that he's buying in, team player, all that stuff. Amon Ross St. Brown, a career high 156 receiving yards on eight receptions, including that uh, 20-yard TD scamper. All right, uh, more Lions thoughts coming your way. We'll also uh, discuss college football, lots to unpack there, college hoops underway, update the Pistons and Red Wings. By all means, leave it here. It's the Sportsbook on 760 WJR. You know, I'm just thinking to myself, self, a um, lot going on, obviously, college football. So uh, college hoops, first and foremost, uh, tomorrow night here on the Blowtorch, you will hear the uh, Michigan State Spartans under the direction of Magnum T.I. Tom Izzo uh, taking on that Duke team. Uh, yeah, uh, things a little bit different now. Yeah, are they the same without Coach K? Uh well, they're one and one coming off that uh, 78-73 loss to Arizona. Still loaded, uh, as Duke usually is. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, Duke right now, number nine. Uh, Michigan State, because of the loss a week ago to kick things off against James Madison, now coming in at 18. Um, but it's going to be a tilt. It always is when these two fine schools meet. Uh, tip time is seven, which means our broadcast coverage time uh, getting underway at 6, the uh, Spartans coming off the 74-51 win, uh, 51 win over the uh, Southern Indiana Screaming Eagles last Thursday night. Uh, meanwhile, the Michigan Basketball Wolverines, they're in action right now at Madison Square Garden, the uh, Gavit Tip-Off Classic. Uh, they are at the half. Michigan up 48-38 at the half. Uh, Phil Martelli uh, on the bench for the Wolverines, of course, as... 
uh, Juwan Howard continues to recover from his medical procedure. Wishing him the best, by the way. Of course, of course. And it's so early. It's such a long season. You know, Phil Martelli is more than qualified. All right. Now, uh, college football, Saturday night, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, your Michigan State Spartans, as you heard right here on WJR, they go into the tilt with the uh, Buckeyes, 32-point dogs. These people know what they're doing. Uh, Spartans uh, fall hard, 38-3. to uh, Heisman Trophy candidate Marvin Harrison Jr., the dude is good. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, he uh, had a couple of touchdowns thrown by Kyle McCord. Uh, McCord throwing three on the night. Um, again, uh, you know, Harlan Barnett got his work cut out. There's no doubt about it. Going through the process. Here's what I'm surprised by. The lack of kids transferring, just getting out of Dodge. And now I've gone to East Lansing a couple times for our pregame shows on Channel 4. And they are upbeat. They feel like they are one. They feel like they close the doors and they're, it's just about them and their team. And they know they've been through a lot, but they're, they're very... They're solid. Yeah, I've had a couple uh, different assistants say, look, uh, this team is very tight. It and, seemed that way to me, just talking to them, you know, Well, there. and don't know what goes on behind closed doors. But listen, when they have conversations 20, 25, 30 years down the road, and they talk about this really difficult season, you know, they're forever bonded. Because there's not a whole lot of college football or athletic programs, period, They'd have to deal with the crap that they had to. Well, and I think there's a little bit of this with the Michigan football team is when stuff is swirling around them, you sort of bond together and become stronger together. Well, and up next for the uh, Spartans, look, I'm not going to lie to you, a winnable tilt. Uh, Indiana on the road at uh, Bloomington High Noon on Saturday. Uh, the Hoosiers are 3-7 and seven overall, 1-6 in conference play. Uh, all right, the Michigan football Wolverines, everybody knows uh, what's going on there. Sadly, the showdown at State College with the Nittany Lions was, you know, kind of a kind of a second fiddle deal. Yeah, it was almost like football was second. Uh, Michigan gets the 24-15 win. Uh, Blake Corum, busy guy, carrying 26 times, ran for 145 yards and two scores. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Michigan ran the ball 32 straight times. Uh, that's unbelievable. Like, what do you think that is? Do you think that is a conscious effort to do that? You know, like make a statement because of all the things going on? Either, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know anymore. Uh, I think it's more, you know, keep doing it until they stop it. The late great Bo Schembechler was just probably absolutely elated yeah. uh, with that in today's modern game. Uh, so Penn State, not good against uh, top 10 teams. I mean, uh, James got, Franklin, not well, good. Well, and, you know, he was going to uh, have to have a sacrificial lamb. That turned out to be their offensive coordinator. Cause yeah, Penn the day uh, after. Yeah, Penn State's uh, offense, just woeful. Uh, same old song and dance for Penn State under Franklin. You better believe it. The Nittany Lions are now 3-17 and against top 10 teams, including 1-14 against Ohio State and Michigan 
uh, teams ranked in the top ten. But yet he's still there. All right, uh, let's move on. Uh, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh said today he plans to attend a court hearing Friday where a judge will hear arguments on whether to grant a restraining order that would nullify the Big Ten's three-game suspension of their coach. Here's the quote. I'm going to talk on Friday. I'm just looking forward to that opportunity, due process. I'm not looking for special treatment, not looking for a popularity contest, just looking for the merit of what the case is. Well, I I believe that they're going to get this injunction. He's going to be able to coach on Saturday, don't you? Well, you know, we'll see. I, I Look, there's all sorts of things at play here. Uh, first of all, the uh, legality to the situation. Just to review, Harbaugh and the university filed a complaint against the Big Ten and Commissioner Tony Petiti in state court this past Friday, hours after the league suspension was announced. Michigan has asked the court for a temporary restraining order that would negate the suspension and get Harbaugh back on the field. A hearing on the request is scheduled to take place Friday at the Washtenaw County Courthouse in Ann Arbor. Harbaugh said he wasn't sure whether he would have the opportunity to state his case in front of the judge, but he does intend to be there in person. We also found out today uh, that Jim Harbaugh has seen plenty of Judge Judy episodes. Oh, my gosh. He did one of those things where he talks about random stuff, including chickens. Yeah. We, yeah. Chickens aren't a meat. <laughs> his family Isn't chickens. Isn't so funny? Uh, I, I guess. I think it's kind of like a distraction thing this is an interesting quote as well and when it comes to coach harbaugh they pretty much all are i've always felt like it'd be cool to get up there and thunder away at a jury like tom cruise and a few good men or be a judge alas i did not go to law school uh this will be the first time i've ever really been in this situation (laughs) So, so he also likes judge judy I guess that was discussed today. Went to a taping with his dad. I'm looking at the him and on this tape. Yeah. Yeah, went to a show. What are you going to do? Now, as far as what Harbaugh's saying, and I agree wholeheartedly with, due process. I am a big fan of due process. Sure. Now, we discussed it on the show last week. In that video call, Tony Petiti got an earful from not only the other Big Ten coaches, but in particular, the athletic directors. Um, did he feel pressure to do something? Remember, something very important here. He got evidence from the NCAA, who was conducting their own investigation. Now, in my mind's eye, don't know Tony Petiti, never met Tony Petiti. But has background in dealing with teams accused of cheating, i.e. the Houston Astros. And so my point is, as we're talking about due process and how important it is, because in many ways our democracy is built on it, innocent until proven guilty. I don't think Petiti, and remember, the Big Ten has lawyers too. And he probably got in a conference call with them and said, listen, here's the evidence I got from the NCAA. Here's what I've heard from this, 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 and this. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to handle it. Am I, according to our bylaws, within my rights? Well, you know, let me take a look at that document. Let me see. 
Let me just reread that. That's your lawyer speak. Yeah. And yes. I think if this was an allegation from a couple years ago, then you let the investigation play out and you wait till there's a final decision. But they are accused of doing this within this season. And that is what angered the other teams. And that is why the Big Ten felt they needed to punish him this season. And this is something yeah. that's going on. weeks ago did this come out? I mean, this came out a month ago, right? We're End going October, on four or was five it, weeks. October 19th, yeah, I, mean, I believe. Yeah, because it was before the Michigan State game. Yes. I mean, how much due process do they want? Like Jamie pointed out, these they're still playing games. If they have enough evidence to suspend him, they're not uh, terminating him. They're not allowing him to coach in college football ever again or making Michigan fire him. It's a suspension. He can coach throughout the week. I mean, right. he was it's, in it's very... in state college on Saturday. Yeah. Well, this it's is where punishment. and look at here is yet another story, and there's been a lot of them that have divided people because there are some who are under the impression that the fact that he's able to be with his team during the week is garbage. Mm-hmm. That if you're going to do it, suspend him. Because he still can game plan. He still can do everything during the week. So for those who wanted more, they think that this is sort of just for show. And then he refers to him as America's team. Now, it's clear what Michigan's angle is here. They are portraying themselves as the victim. 100%. And you've got to be very careful because the NCAA, they gave them, they gave the Big Ten some evidence. They're conducting their own investigation. They're still investigating the whole COVID-19 dead period stuff, all this stuff. So to paint yourself as America's team, and there's been several Wolverines that have come out and said Michigan against everybody. Um, You know, we don't hear the noise. We block it out. We go about our business, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, it's a simple question. Did they break a rule? You may not like the rule, but if you broke the rule, then you have to pay the price. And the quote is, they've got to be America's team. America loves a team that beats the odds, beats the adversity, overcomes what the naysayers, critics, and, quote, so-called experts think. That's my favorite kind of team. What? Right. Overcomes the naysayers. I don't think it's naysayers. Critics. Sure, you could say they're critics, but so-called experts. So-called experts, look, you know, we're all reading the same stuff, man. And we know where this Connor Stallions was. I, it hasn't been official, but he was in East Lansing with Central Michigan wearing Central Michigan coaching garb. Right. He, there's a paper trail. There's a paper trail somewhere. Who paid for all these tickets? Usually in situations like this, ladies and gentlemen, Fasten your seatbelts. Prepare for even more turbulence because it's usually the way it goes. But, again, Michigan's good. They're a good team. They are a damn good football team. Uh, Hypothetically, they make it to the Final Four. Embarrassing for the NCAA and the Big Ten because what is the topic of conversation going to be? Sadly, not how good this Michigan football team is. Right. It's what did they do to get there. And it's going to be Agree. all over the place. All right. This isn't going away. We need it. My blood pressure. We need to take a break. <laughs> it's the sports book here on 760 WJR. 
Uh, just some more evidence here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much once again for joining us here for the Sportsbook on 760 WJR. As always, thank you very much to our wonderful friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Anyway, my point, uh, college athletics broken. Uh, Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork uh, last night said it was his decision to fire football coach Jimbo Fisher earlier in the day, saying that the program was stuck in neutral. Uh, we all know the byproduct, trickle-down of this decision. Uh, Fisher's dismissal expected to cost the school more than $76 million to buy out his contract. <laughs> My now, listen, in corporate America, there's been golden parachutes forever. But what Jimbo Fisher's getting, I don't know what it is beyond a golden parachute, but that's what he's got. Yeah, That's a lot of money not to work. Uh, and then you take a look at the way uh, they got to buy him out. According to his contract, Fisher is owed $19.2 million within 60 days. Oh, my gosh. And then... Seventeen point two million annually through two thousand thirty-one. And in case you're Whoa. wondering, if you watch Suits like I did, uh, there is no offset or mitigation on those payments, and the annual payments start one hundred and twenty days after his termination. Meanwhile, he was what forty-five and twenty-five and twenty-seven and twenty-one in the Southeastern Conference, never winning more than nine games in any season. Well, you know, the problem here is uh, he didn't have a problem recruiting because it was always bringing in pretty darn good recruiting classes, you know, per ESPN. Um, but at the end of the day, he he wasn't able to coach him up. Uh, no. Mm-mm. His tenure ends, for, like you said, 45-25 over six seasons and no appearances in the SEC championship. And when they hired him, uh, they thought this was it. Right. That this. To recreate the magic. And his, his, last, his last three years at Florida State were, eh, <laughs> eh, you know. So uh, I don't know where they're getting that. Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, since Fisher's first full recruiting class in 2019, Texas A&M had signed 70. ESPN 300 players, the fourth most in the FBS behind Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, who have each played in at least one national championship game in that span. The Aggies were credited with the number one recruiting class in 2022. Well, then that's Crazy. coaching. That's coaching if you have all that talent. And now he's getting 76 mil. <laughs> I'll take the clipboard. What have we done wrong, Steve? I, I, I'm just going to say I'll take the clipboard for four or five years. Yay. Meh. <laughs> Red Wings. Let's talk about them for a second. Uh, coming off the nice 5-4 win over Columbus on Saturday. How about Robbie Fabry? He uh, lights the lamp after a month-long absence due to a uh, lower body injury. As a matter of fact, poor Robbie. Um, over his career, he has battled uh, back from four separate knee surgeries. He's got that injury bug. The dude can play, though. I know. Once he's on the ice. Uh, and uh, this is crazy. Uh, they're going to play the Ottawa Senators at 2 o'clock Thursday afternoon. Why? It's the first game of the NHL Global Series in Stockholm, Sweden. I think it's fun. I'm seeing, like, Ken Daniels and, you know, Mickey having some fun it. in Sweden. 
Uh, right now, oh, and they'll play the Maple Laughs there on Friday. Uh, eight five and two are the Red Wings, third in the Atlantic Division, four four and two over their last ten. Dylan Larkin, by the way, he's not happy having to go to Sweden right now. The season's underway for crying out loud. He came out, he doesn't like it? Doesn't like it. Uh, he says the 82-game uh, schedule is a grind. And now you're having us come out to Sweden for a couple, and then we're going to go back and get back into an NHL season. And the Red Wings have been playing pretty good hockey, huh? They have. They started out hot and then cooled down a bit. But overall, you know, um, Derek Lalone came out and said, if you said we were going to be 8-5-1, and one, we would have taken it. Sure. I agree with the good coach. Uh, Pistons, oh, they're coming off the 119-108 loss to the Bulls just last night. They will host the Atlanta Hawks 7 o'clock tomorrow night at LCA. Um, right now, uh, Pistons have lost eight in a row. The Hawks, a 5-4 and four club. Uh, the Pistons now 2-9 and nine last in the Eastern Conference. Where who they've who, been. So sick of seeing them at the bottom. You know, I, I will say this, and I, I haven't watched as much as I uh, would like because, you know, football's still going on and hockey and this and the other thing. Um, but they are gritty. Uh, you know, they're, they've had injuries. Yeah, and they're not uh, they're not folding it up. And, you know, I hope that continues for Monty Williams moving forward. And it will because the well, dude knows coach. he knows how to handle this. Get Bogdanovich back, get Monte Morris back, see right. what happens. Big boy on Bogdanovich guy. Come on uh, back. <laughs> he will sooner rather than later. Uh, kind of a mediocre uh, Monday night tilt. Um, you've got the uh, Broncos and Bills getting together. Oh, oh. all of a sudden, disappointing Buffalo Bills. Oh. Oh, dear. Uh, we'll talk about that to close up shop as we continue here on 760 WJR. Quick word or two about uh, the upcoming Monday night football tilt in just a bit. Nikki, are you still there? Mm, no, no, he uh, probably checked out. Uh, I'm here. Oh, wonderful. Oh, hi. Sorry, I had, had to unmute real quick. Uh, you forwarded this uh, very interesting piece here, uh, this article discussing next year's uh, Hockey Hall of Fame and the discussion uh, being whether or not Pavel Datsuk, one of the more creative players I've ever seen in my life, uh, is going to be affected by the Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, and how that might hinder uh, Pavel and other Russians' chances of getting in uh, because of this unfortunate uh, state of affairs. And I think that's that's not right. Pavel Datsuk's career had nothing to do with the conflict. Um, right. This is for next year. 2024 right. possibilities. Right. Yeah. And perhaps that means something for Henrik, doesn't it, Nick? Yeah, that's what the writer is uh, speculating, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, because uh, I think this year's class goes in tonight in Toronto, and they're kind of looking ahead. And someone says, uh, one of the, a couple of these reporters say, it's easier not to put in Russians right now because of what's going on. So maybe just wait a year. Yeah, it's probably unfair to Pavel, uh, but it, in what we're seeing kind of in, in sports in the world, maybe just kind of wait a year. So it, okay. it opens up the door for someone like Henrik Zetterberg. I get that. Uh, and listen, nobody despises Vladimir Putin more than me. <laughs> but that being said, um, can't we just separate politics and sport? Because their careers had nothing to do uh, with what Putin decided to do. So I don't know. 
And uh, I'm sure that's going to be a uh, topic of conversation moving forward. Uh, meanwhile, Monday Night Football tonight, the 3-5 uh, and five Broncos on the road to face the disappointing 5-4 and four Buffalo Bills. In case you're wondering, Bills are favored by 8, but the three-time defending AFC champs have dropped 3 of 5 to fall right now out of the playoff picture. Uh, their defense is missing three key starters, of course, and Josh Allen um, has been known to turn it over a little bit. Still like Josh Allen, but my goodness. Yeah, I mean, there's a discussion with Josh Allen. What has he won? Nothing. Um, <laughs> in the uh, past five games, how about this? Buffalo has produced more punts, 14, than touchdowns, 13, after combining to score 16 TDs and punting just seven times in its first four. Not good. Not great. Especially for a team in the AFC, this was supposed to be one of the best in their conference. They were talking Super Bowl. Right. Now, all of a sudden, all the Super Bowl talk is about Detroit. Right. Have you noticed that? I have. Uh, that's a crazy state of affairs because I thought Buffalo, going into this season, uh, they were going to win uh, the... Uh, I thought they were going to contend against Burrow, you know, against KC. Uh, quickly, inside the division there. Uh, is Bill Belichick fired at the end of the year? I think so. There was a lot of unrest in Boston. A lot. Nikki, is he gone? Can I think he's traded. I don't think he's fired. I think they trade him. I think he resigns. He's not fired. I don't know if Robert Kraft can fire him. Right. Robert Kraft, they're, they're, they're showing him in any given game, uh, turnovers and the really poor play. He does not look very happy, Mm-mm. very happy at all. But based on what Bill Belichick has done, and all the Super Bowls along the way. And granted, Tom Brady was there. We all yada, yada, yada. I don't know if Kraft can can do that. Well, how deep is the loyalty? And what do you want right now? Yeah, he was great before. Uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Well, and hypothetically, they do. How old is Bill Belichick right now? Isn't it a time that once his run in Buffalo or in uh, New England is over, just call it a career. You're 71. 71 years old, dude. <laughs> Pete Carroll's 72. Now, I think uh, it would be an easier decision for Bill Belichick if he got the same golden parachute Jimbo Fisher did if he was fired. <laughs> I don't know. He's got a huge ego. He's not going to be able to be fired. If he resigns, no. that's one thing. Well, let me he's just... going for Shula's record, too. I mean, he's still yes, probably he is. I think he's 15, 15 wins behind Don Shula. Oh, well, then he's not going anywhere. And he's the type of dude that wants it. All right. It was wonderful having everybody back tonight. Loved it. Uh, Sadly, our time together has come and gone. We'll do it again next Monday night from 7 to 8 right here. As always, for everybody involved, thanks for listening to the Sportsbook. I'm WJR.